want to invite you to open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. This morning, Galatians chapter 3. If you've got the Blue Pew Bible, you, you'll find it on page 973. In Galatians chapter 3, we'll begin in verse 6. We've just got four verses uh, that we're going to uh, be looking at this morning. You know, one of the things that I am convinced uh, is is so true is that as as we come to understand more and more truth, and I'm speaking about truth from God's Word, as, as we read it, as we study it, as we begin to, and you may know how this happens over time, as you really, before the Lord, prayerfully study God's Word, you begin to see the connections that are made all the way through from Genesis chapter 1 through to Revelation chapter 22. And I'm convinced that as we do this more and more in the context of, of living our lives, that we will daily have a greater sense of joy. Yes, joy in this world. We'll also experience a greater day-by-day uh, -day faithfulness that will characterize our lives. Uh, and in our daily lives, we'll have a greater sense of, of purpose, the reason that we are living and doing the things that we uh, have before us. You know, I, I think as Christians, we often get things backwards. That is, that as we experience problems, and we all do in our lives, and, and challenges, difficulties, that during those times, especially, that can bring us to, to pray. And that can bring us the, the challenges that we're going through, maybe to look for an answer in uh, a particular place in the Bible, in a, a devotion, perhaps. And so uh, it's, it's that that drives us, these particular problems. And I'm not saying that's entirely wrong. We're going to go through seasons when we, we need to focus on something particular in our lives. But the truth is what God has given us the ability to do is to know Him. Uh, and to know Him in a way that equips us every day, no matter what we face, no matter what circumstances we go through, to know Him as children of God, and therefore as those who are trusting in Him daily and walking with Him through any and all circumstances. You know, the reason I'm bringing this up here is that in today's passage and some of the passages we're going to look at in the, in the coming weeks as we work our way through chapters four, 3 and 4, uh, especially in Galatians, they, they are passages that tie together uh, all of Scripture. Uh, they, they, they aren't just focused on one thing, but there is this, uh, we come to a place in which we come to know God more. We come to know uh, ourselves as a covenant people in relationship with God more. And these are things that we should long to know uh, and so our prayer should be, every one of us should be, help us to know you, Lord. And then we should use the means that he's given us to do that, thereby being able day in and day out to live as those who are children of God and who truly know him. So I'd encourage us as we look at these passages this morning uh, and just in, in general to, to make that our goal. Uh, let me remind you, uh, if, you've, if you've been with us throughout this series uh, that, that Paul is continuing to ask this question 
of us as we go through. How can we possibly be made acceptable to God? And that's a big question, isn't it? How can I possibly be made acceptable to God? And, and he really gives us two basic choices there. Uh, he says, is it by what he calls works of the law? In other words, trying to make ourselves presentable by, before God by doing uh, the law that we've been given? Or is it by faith in Jesus Christ and faith alone? So those, those two, these churches in Galatia have been led astray by, uh, by some teachers that we call Judaizers. Uh, and they've been, been led to look to that first option by works of the law. And what we've seen as we've gone through is, is that that's something that it doesn't have to be false teachers there. That's something that our hearts are drawn back to again and again and again. Because apart from Christ, that is what we do. It's works of the law. But uh, Paul is emphatic here about bringing them and us back to the true gospel. You know, in the passage that we looked at last week, uh, he, he, he did that. He answered that question by calling us to look at, at our salvation experience and in that to see that it's only by faith uh, that we can be justified before God. Well, this morning uh, and for the next uh, few weeks, He's going to go back in Scripture. In fact, he's going all the way back to Abraham. And he's rooting uh, his answer to that question for them and for us in, uh, in Abraham, what we read uh, earlier. Uh, so have that in your mind as I read these words. I'm going to read, uh, we're focused on Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse 6, 6 through 9. I'm going to begin in verse 5, just so you can see those two options that are laid out uh, so we get the context. This is God's Word. Paul says, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you, in Abraham, in you, shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Let me say a word of prayer for us. Father, we thank you uh, for that amazing way in which your word all the way through is pointing in one direction. There's, there, there truly is one message. And you are unchanging, Lord, in the way you bring your help to us, that help being salvation. Uh, and so I, I, I pray, Father, that we would see that, that we would be amazed by that. At the same time, Lord, there are some challenges in seeing that. Uh, as we go through your word. And so I pray that you would bring, by your Holy Spirit, clarity for us this morning that we would be able to see and to understand and apply this word, this message, this gospel to ourselves, to our own hearts. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, you've heard the, the saying before, of course, that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. 
Uh, that we shouldn't prejudge based on what we see on the outside. And, and I think you could add to that, you shouldn't judge a song by what that song sounds like, at least not always. Uh, because some of the most basic, the simplest, even, might I say, shallow-sounding children's songs communicate uh, some of the best theological truth uh, in them. One of them, and this is a song that probably most here are going to know, especially the young ones among us, uh, is this one. I'm going to try to sing a little bit, so I apologize for that. But Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and you, so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. See, people really do know this song. And I think what one of the reasons we know that song, if you, if you think, and we're not doing the hand motions, the foot motions that go along, but the way it works is uh, you repeat that stanza again and again and again. It's just a different hand or foot that you uh, stick out, but you hear those words. Well, that song has in it, it the heart of this passage that we're looking at this morning. Even though this is, a, it really is a, a complex passage, a challenging truth, but that song in it is answering this all-important question, who are the children of God? Who is it that really belongs to Him? And, you know, in a roundabout sort of way, if, if you know uh, some of the, the context, it's also answering the question, on what basis do they, that people, belong to Him, to God? But I wonder how many people that have sung that song, Father Abraham, have really stopped and, and thought about it uh, and thought about the meaning behind those words. Because if you did, you might find yourself a little confused. Because think about it, uh, just the first few words there, Father Abraham had many sons. Well, you might be tempted, if you know the Bible, to think, wait a second, wouldn't it Jacob? that had many sons. He, he had 12 sons, right? But Abraham, how many sons did he have? He had Isaac. And then if, if you count him, there were some problems there, but uh, he had uh, Isaac and, and Ishmael. So uh, you might be tempted to say, well, whoever wrote that song, that maybe they made some mistakes there. Father Abraham had, had many sons. Uh, did they know they got the facts wrong? Well, the answer to that, of course, is No. They didn't get the facts wrong because this is referring, that song is referring to God's covenant that we read about earlier that he made with Abraham in which God said to Abraham, and you'll remember this was out of uh, chapter 13, uh, he said, I will make your offspring, children, offspring, as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can be counted that's where that many sons comes from. God was saying to Abram, you will be the father of many, many children, offspring. And those children will be my children. They will belong to me. So, of course, the big question there is, who are those children? Who are included? Uh, who are able to say, I am a son of Abraham? Now, it's right there with that question that these men who Paul was standing up against, we call them Judaizers, that they would not have liked our song very much. 
because the song says, as we just sang, many sons his father Abraham, I am one of them, and so are you. And they would have said, looking around this room at least, no, the criteria for being a son of Abraham is found first and foremost in a particular mark that you have. Uh, and it represents all that you do and all that you oh, obey. And so they would have pointed us a little bit further than we read earlier. They would have pointed us to Genesis 17 probably and said, you know, read verse 10. Uh, this, is, this was God speaking to Abraham. He said, this is my covenant which, shall, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. And they would have said, well, that's very straightforward, right? If you come from Abraham's lineage, his children, and you go through this Jewish rite of circumcision, and then you just continue out of that to live like a Jew, then you're good. You're in the number. You're one of Abraham's children. And the Jews boasted about this. You can read it in, uh, even in Jesus' day in John chapter 8. Uh, they said, we are Abraham's children. We are children of the covenant. And so in response to our singing this song, they'd say, well, if you haven't been through that Jewish rite of circumcision uh, and all that comes along with it, then you're not one of us. Notice what they're really saying there. They're saying that there is this particular thing outwardly. And there are these things outwardly that if you have them, you'll be accepted. You'll belong. You'll belong to God. If not, you're outcast. You can't know God. You know, it's right there, I think, that uh, we should be caused to think about ourselves and, and just ask that question. What about me? Do I, do, I think of, do I think in that way? Is there something in my own life, an outward thing, that I depend upon? You know, sometimes, just, just try this. Uh, you can try it with someone else. Uh, ask them about their relationship with the Lord. Somehow get into a spiritual conversation with them. And then try to listen carefully to what they, they say at the heart of what, what makes them, what includes them in this relationship with God. What it is that marks them as a Christian. And sometimes you'll be able to tell. Sometimes it is clear that there's something that, that, that's there that's outward. Uh, it could be the family that they're a part of. They, they have this conviction that they're, they're part of this family and the members of that family, uh, we do the right things, we say the right things, we are Christians. That's an outward mark. It could be because they've They've been in the church for quite some time. They may have gone to many different local churches, uh, but that's something that's outward that's there. For some, it could be baptism uh, itself, coming into uh, this, th this fellowship of people. And maybe along with that, there's a, a verbal statement, a uh, statement of profession of faith that's been made. They've raised their hand or some other action that's been, been taken uh, and, and therefore, you'll hear in the words that they speak, that's the thing that they're hanging on to. Now, there are others that will just go straight 
to talking about the way that they've lived their lives. I'm, I, I, I'm with God. I know God. I've lived in this way. I've done all these things. And often that will come across, well, again, that's something that's outward. Now, this was true of the Judaizers. They were focused upon something that was outward. Uh, and it can be us as well. But what did Paul say? Paul said that they were wrong. He pointed them back to the patriarch of this, this family, that the head of Israel. And he said, Abraham, this man, the head, believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. What does that mean? He believed God, that's faith. And then it was counted to him. That means it was reckoned to him. That means it wasn't anything that came from him. There was no righteousness that came from him. But it was granted to him. It was given to him to be righteous before God by faith. Not something outward. That's something inward. And then, then, uh, then Paul is going to go ahead and, and say, and this is in our passage in verse 7, he's going to say, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham, like father, like son. So who are the true sons of Abraham? It's not those who have the outward mark or an outward mark alone. But it is those who have the same faith as Abraham. And that's Paul's point here, that, that God's covenant people, true sons and true daughters of Abraham, are those who, like Abraham, believed God. And it was counted to them as righteousness. Now, two questions that we can answer, therefore, from our text. Number one, what is this faith of Abraham? Very helpful to know, right? We've got the model there. We've got Abraham. What is this faith? What does it look like that he had? And then secondly, who are these true sons of Abraham? What, what characterizes them? So, first of all, what is the faith of Abraham? The, the text says that Abraham believed. Now, what exactly does that mean? And how, therefore, are we able to, to see that, understand it, and ourselves come to a place of of believing like Abraham? Really important question. So first, let's go back to Abraham. Uh, back to the passage that we read earlier. And, and, and talk about how the Judaizers got this wrong. Now, there was something that the Judaizers understood correctly uh, out of the Hebrew Scriptures, out of the, what we call the Old Testament. And that was that God began a new people with Abraham. He began a people for his own belonging, people belonging to him. But here's where they got it wrong. Looking at Abraham, they thought that Abraham was in relationship with God, that God had chosen him to be the father of this people and in relationship with him because of his obedience. They saw it this way, that Abraham was a good man. He was a faithful man. He was a worthy man. And therefore, because of his faithfulness, because of his obedience, God chose him. In other words, he had this rightful standing before God, not as a gift given by God, but 
it was really his rightfully he earned it in some way shape or fashion now that's the way we're used to thinking isn't it uh, it's kind of built into us that automatically think about yourself we respond in that way take a look at what what I've done take a look at who I am I should be received I should be accepted on the basis of what I've done, my, my credentials. And, and there is a place for that in our world, isn't there? But we also take it, therefore, to a place of being accepted before God and before man uh, because of who we are and what we do. You know, many years ago, shortly after I, I had finished college, uh, for a little over a year, I worked at a, a restaurant. I waited tables, and uh, when we waited tables there, we had these tip trays that we passed out that you'd put, your, you'd put the customer's bill on it and uh, receive it back with a credit card on it. Well, people would decorate their, their tip trays in different ways at this restaurant that I worked at, and I did something different. And so I took my resume, it was a full page, and I shrunk it down. And it was still readable, and I put it on each of my tip trays. And so, therefore, I hand, when I handed it out, and I, I would hand people's bills to them, they would see my resume there. And, and my thought was, well, they're going to see the things that I've done. They're going to see the degree that I have earned. They're going to see the references that they could call and, and hear about me. So you might think, well, that's... That's a clever thing to do. But I'll tell you, don't think any good thoughts about my doing that. Because looking back and looking at my own heart, it was full of pride in doing that. You know what I was saying when I put that out? Here I had been at college and now I was working at a restaurant. What I was saying was, I'm, I'm better than this. Uh, Look at who I am. Look at what I have done. I'm a step above this and, by extension, others who are here. What was it? It was ugly pride. You know, that's what we have a tendency to do, and that's exactly how the Judaizers thought about themselves. They said, we are Abraham's children. Look at our pedigree. Look at who we are. Look at what we do. We're God's covenant children. And thinking all the while that that's something that we have done. That's something we are doing. We are earning our place. And, and you know, it's true that outwardly they were part of God's covenant children. There's tremendous value to that. We're going to talk about that uh, later in the coming weeks. But what Paul pointed out, which couldn't be denied, was that Abraham himself, the father of this covenant people, was not brought into relationship with God because of his obedience. Think about Abraham. He didn't even have the mark of, of circumcision until much later. He was not a Jew when the Lord chose him. He was a pagan. Here's the reason that Paul says for, for his acceptance. He says simply... Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. 
You know, Abraham didn't stand upon anything. There was no certified degree that he had earned. There were no references that were there for people to, to tell God about, about all that he had done. There was nothing that he had that he could bring to God. He came with empty hands. In other words, he didn't come with any righteousness of his own. One thing he did. He believed God. So, so what, is, what does that look like? What does that trusting faith look like? You know, God, uh, Paul used Abraham as an example here because he intends for us to look and to see this in uh, Abraham's life. Look back, if you would, at Genesis chapter 12, the verses that we read before where God makes his covenant with Abraham, 12.1. And, and notice uh, what God said to him. Now, now Abram came from a, a foreign country, from hundreds of miles uh, away from this land that he would eventually come to. And here was what the Lord's... He didn't know the Lord. His family were pagans as well. Here is what the Lord said to Abram. Go. Go from your country and your kindred, your father's house, your family, the place where you live, where you've grown up. Go to the land that I will show you. We're down to verse 4. So Abram went... You know, Abram went, not knowing exactly where he was going, not knowing what he was going to find when he got there, not knowing what was going to happen to the family that he left behind. So there were a lot of unknowns there, but he went. Why? Because he trusted in the Lord. Think about what his, his heart must have been like. Uh, he, he discarded, in a very real sense, who he was, his, any of his prior achievements, abilities, qualifications in just believing God and following Him. His heart was open to what the Lord was doing, to what the Lord, how the Lord was leading him. And so he readily said, Yes, Lord, you know best. I will go. And then later, turn to uh, chapter 15. Uh, this is a time when a Abram's been walking with the Lord for some time. Uh, he he didn't have any children, and he was very much up there in years. And so given his and Sarah's age, he didn't see how he, he could ever have children. Uh, and so in, in, in 15.2, you can see Abraham's, uh, his confusion, because Jesus, had, or I'm sorry, the Lord had made a promise to Abraham, and it said, you're going to have many sons, just like the song said. But what did he say? Oh, Lord God, what will you give me? I continue childless. The heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. It's my servant. Uh, and so he's going to be the one to receive. And that must be what you're talking about. But the Lord said, no. He said, your very own son will be your heir. Now, Abraham didn't see how that could be. And yet, what did he do? It says, verse uh, 6. He believed the Lord, and the Lord counted it to him as righteousness. Even though he couldn't see, he couldn't understand, he believed God. What does that mean? It means that he continued steadfastly forward, not depending upon himself, but depending upon the Lord. Even when he was in a place in which he, he, he couldn't understand, what is the Lord doing? But he continued forward, not perfectly, and we see that uh, when it comes to Ishmael. 
But he continued forward seeking to glorify God. What about you? Even though you may, and it may be right now, you may go, and it may be right now, you may go through times when you're confused about things, when you're not understanding what God is doing in your life at this time. Are you able to look at the Lord steadfastly and by faith to continue forward? What does that mean? Living your life in a way that glorifies Him, seeking His glory. Now here's, what, here's what Paul said about Abraham in a different place. This is out of Romans chapter 4, verse 20. He said, this is about Abraham, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith. Notice there's a growing. doesn't happen all at once. He grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That's what trusting faith is like. It doesn't need to understand everything. But its object is the Lord. And there's a, a, a walking forward, a moving forward, a, a saying to the Lord, Lord, in the midst of the things that are going on in my life, whatever they are, I take joy in you. I know that your word is true. I know that your promises will never fail. And therefore, I will not waver. I will continue forward to seek your glory. That's why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Not because of anything in him. There was nothing that he brought forward. And that's what his children, we, are called to do. To bring nothing in our hands, but to follow by faith. And that is why, and that's, that, that is how we come to have a right standing before the Lord. We do it there at the beginning. We've got to take, make a turn, turn to the Lord, and by faith, follow Christ, and then continue in that way. And once we've done that, He provides everything that we need to continue. In fact, we may fall back, but we will never fall away. Again, nothing outward, but only out of faith. Second question. Who are these true sons of Abraham? You know, here we're able to see that God's way of saving people has always been the same. He doesn't work according to different plans, one over here and one over here, but only one. Have you ever looked at the Old Testament and then at the New and thought, this is so difficult to understand? It's almost like God is, is completely different between the two because in the Old Testament, God offered salvation to this one particular people, to the Jewish nation of Israel. But then, when you come to the New Testament, it can almost seem like God has changed His mind because all of a sudden you get this worldwide appeal, this worldwide gospel. Have you ever struggled with that? How do I see that? How do I understand it? Well, if you have struggled with it. You're not alone. Uh, this is one of those places as we uh, look at this passage and some that follow that, that serve kind of like a window behind the scenes because it gives us clarity 
and what are greater clarity in what God has been doing all along. We can see it in, in a number of places in the New Testament or in, in the Bible. It becomes clearer and clearer as his plan is worked out. Uh, and this is one of the places where we can see that God is working according to one plan all the way through. He's not fickle. He is he, he's he's unchanging, but he's working things out in stages, all for the good of his people and all for his glory. Look with me at uh, chapter 3, verse 8. It says, And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you, Abraham, all the nations shall be blessed. You know, this takes us back to the very beginning of God's interactions uh, with Abraham. Once again, it takes us back to uh, Genesis chapter 12. God making His covenant with Abraham. And and, uh, the Lord had told uh, Abram in chapter 12, He said, And I will make you a great nation. These are part of the promises that He gave him. And I will bless you and make your name great. And then a little further down he says, And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You know, this is what Paul is quoting. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is a promise from God. And it's an announcement of what he one day would do. And and notice that uh, Paul had said way back, way back uh, then... That in in that day when God came to Abraham, what did he say? He said, the scripture was preaching the gospel beforehand to Abraham. What did he mean by that? The scripture was preaching the gospel beforehand to Abraham. That God's plan from the very beginning, we see it in those words of God to Abram in uh, his covenant making with him. God's plan was to justify the people of all the nations by faith. Now, all the nations, there are two words that we often hear. We'll hear the word nations, and we hear the word Gentiles. You know, in the, in the, the language, whether it's in Hebrew or in Greek, it's actually the same word. And so, when you hear nations or you hear Gentiles... You, you can often interchange them. You've got to look at the context to see what's meant. But this is one of those places where you can interchange them. God's plan, as we see back here in, in what he said to Abraham, was never to two different peoples. So what, did, what did Paul mean here that uh, he preached the gospel, the scriptures preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham? That what God said to Abraham in this covenant that he made with him was a proclamation of his gospel. That even though all the details weren't known by Abraham, uh, he, he didn't know who the Lord Jesus Christ was by name. He didn't know exactly how he was going to provide the sacrifice for his people. He didn't know all the details, but what he did know was that the Lord would provide forgiveness of sins and that he would provide eternal life in God. 
This was God's one plan of salvation, and it was, was all, and it is all, one message of salvation by faith alone. All the way back to the patriarch, to the father, to the head. Uh, we call him the, the head of the covenant. Uh, but the true head of the covenant, because it's all one plan, we also call it the covenant of grace. Because it's founded upon the work of one Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Apart from whom no one can know the Lord. And He is the one who did the work for Abraham. He is the one whom Abraham, even though he didn't know the details, was looking to. And notice that there were, and there are, in God's plan, there are these outward markers. Uh, there was in the Old Testament, we saw it in chapter 17 of Genesis, circumcision. And today in the New Testament, what do we have? We have baptism. But those are given, these, these words may sound familiar to you, those are given as outward signs of an inward reality. What's important, yes, the outward signs are important. They have great use for us. But that's not what we depend upon. And that's not what they were able or intended to depend upon in that day. What is important is true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing outward was ever meant to be the means for our salvation. It comes by faith alone in Christ alone. And what this means is that, that God's plan of salvation is for all people. Notice back in our, in our passage that Paul says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Was it just the physical descendants of Abraham? No. Even within Israel and within the Gentiles who were included in, uh, it's all those who were of faith. And what does that mean to us? That means that God's plan of salvation is for all people everywhere. That there are none who are left out. It's every tribe, tongue, and nation. This message of faith in Jesus Christ is to be preached everywhere. God has one plan. And it's for all the nations. It's for every single person. That's why we had summer Sunday school this morning, a focus upon mission. Why? Well, that, that's the reason that, that Jim spoke this morning about the Dominican Republic because they have a need for this gospel there. That's why last week, Rennie, Will's sister, spoke about Kenya and Corey Pelton the week before he spoke about missions in Peru because everywhere we go, every single person, every tribe, every tongue, every language has a need for this gospel. And it's one gospel through the Lord Jesus Christ and it comes to us in one way. It came to them in one way. It's by faith alone. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what, all the way through, that Paul wants to come home to us. Uh, that there's not something outward that we need look to or that we can look to in order to have salvation, in order to bring salvation to others. There's one place. It is by looking to Christ, trusting in Christ, and daily 
following following Christ in the same way that we see from Abraham. Please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you uh, for your plan that you have laid out for us in your word. Uh, we thank you that you have ordained your church in such a way that that this gospel uh, is there and it is intended to go forth to every nation, every person that's out there. Lord, we pray that you would more and more help us to understand this in our own lives. Help us to, to, to know you through Jesus Christ, through faith in Christ. And therefore, Lord, help us to have a desire inside that is ever-increasing to take this truth, this precious gospel, and to bring it in whatever means, whatever ways that you have given us or gifted us to help out with this process, but to take it to those around us, no matter whether it's on the other side of the earth or right next door or even in our own home. Father, we thank you for the gifts that you give us. We thank you for the knowledge that we can have that it's this that is all important. We thank you for the provision that you give us for this. And uh, we look to you in faith. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.